we all need a sense of relatedness to promote long-term behavior change and relatedness and connection with others, feeling like you belong. And it's like, well, okay, then that's actually the most evidence-based way to move people towards whatever behavior change they want to do, whether that's like health-promoting behaviors or just like self-care or sleep or whatever. Welcome to Weighing In on Happy, the only podcast that dives deep into discussions around weight, eating disorders, mental health, body image, intuitive eating, wellness, confidence, and so much more. Each week, you'll be coached through different stories and strategies on how to start living your best life today. So if you're ready, here's your host, Victoria Evans. This episode of Weighing and Unhappy has been brought to you by my Craving Food Freedom online six-week course. What if there is a way to have no more food drama, food guilt, food rules, food shame, food fear, or food sabotage? To finally be free to eat intuitively, to work with your body, not against it, and feel fucking fantastic. And what if you could learn step-by-step exactly how to do it all in just six weeks in a self-paced course, all from the comfort of your own home? Well, that is exactly what the Craving Food Freedom course is here to do. Sarah said, prior to this program, I was constantly in a state of emotional eating, overeating, and not listening to my body. I didn't know how to trust or listen to what my body was trying to tell me. Since this program, I have learned why my body continues to act in such a chaotic manner. I learned why scientifically I emotionally eat and overeat and how my brain actually works in terms of survival. I learned tools, tips, tricks, techniques, and real-world practices that I can incorporate on a daily basis so I do not have to overeat, binge eat, or emotionally eat anymore. This program truly saved my life and provided me with so much confidence, knowledge, and strength that I didn't even know I had. I truly cannot tell you the amount of knowledge that Victoria brings in this program and how powerful it is. I simply do not have the words to describe it. I could not refer this program enough. So thank you so much, Sarah. To sign up for the Craving Food Freedom online course, you can go ahead and check out my website at www.victoriaevansofficial.com forward slash programs, and it'll also be there for you below in the show notes. Hey, you guys, welcome back to Weighing and Unhappy. I'm Victoria Evans, an intuitive eating coach, and I am joined today by Dr. Sean Hondorp, who is a board-certified clinical health psychologist. She has a private practice and a podcast called Motivation Made Easy, Body Respect, True Health, where she talks about the ways we can approach health, often running counter to what we know about motivation science. So welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. So we're going to be digging into, you know, the science behind motivation, how to motivate ourselves when it's not being driven by, you know, that shame and that fear, as well as really the keys to making long-term sustainable changes in our life. But before we go into all those amazing topics, could you share a little bit about who you are and really your journey away from diet culture and fat phobia? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'm Sean Hondorp, and I really have kind of my personal journey and my professional journey, which are very interwoven, if you will. But I, like many women, had many, many years of what I call the diet binge cycle. I definitely met criteria for an eating disorder and binge eating, but also would at times kind of just qualify for more disordered eating and other times, you know, a chronic dieter. So many, many years of that. Um, And really, I think as many people know, but I never did like really extreme diets. I was always so afraid of messing up my metabolism, but like, it doesn't take that much restriction as you know, to prompt binge eating. So struggled with that for many years. I think when I went back and counted, it was about 13 kind of personally and 13 years. And then 
Um, also, you know, mostly in, in many ways, I think curiosity and, and trying to help myself went into kind of the field of psychology and kind of health and, and psychology of eating behavior pretty early on in uh, my undergrad experience. So I was actually on the research track. I was very involved in research on eating disorders, actually the genetics and biology of eating disorders early on. But then I switched to studying for kind of grad school, studying um, quote unquote, like obesity prevention and things like that. And so I was in that field for many, many years. And then um, really started working in healthcare for about seven years up until leaving this past year. And I actually found the book Health at Every Size many years ago and read it. It's kind of an interesting book to read while you're in the healthcare system because I was like, oh, I believe in this. This makes a lot of sense. And I would start to have conversations with people um, within the healthcare system about like shifting away from, you know, a focus on weight, shifting towards habits. And, um, but it's a really challenging thing to do. So it's been really fun to be off on my own now and really shift more freely. Um, so a lot of what I like talking about is self-determination theory. We'll talk about this a little bit today as a theory of motivation, but um, really what I like doing is talking to people about um, promoting autonomous motivation. And uh, yeah, it's been a fun and interesting kind of wild entrepreneurial ride this past year. Um, but being able to look back and just continually reflect on like, wow, these, the systems that we have are um, the medical system, certainly the weight loss industry are just really setting people up for failure in so many ways. And so I'd kind of gotten out of my own personal journey, I would say like seven years ago, but it, it just wasn't jiving. I found intuitive eating very helpful. I read the book and um, so I found that personally helpful, but it was hard to sort of reconcile that with the ways that we were trying to help people in within the healthcare system. So, um, so that's a little bit about kind of where I'm at now. And it's very fun <laughs> to do things differently now, a lot more rewarding, certainly, uh, I don't know, professionally and personally. So. So interesting, I think, because I have a lot of family who's in healthcare and we'll talk about haze and like you're saying, kind of like, what is kind of the right thing to think about? What is to believe? What is the validity behind the science of haze and intuitive eating versus what, you know, other scientists, other people, or even, you know, in popular culture where they're talking on, you know, podcasts or they're reading books about all these really extreme, often fad type, you know, of weight loss, but because it's, said by these science, you know, by these powerful people, we were supposed to believe it. And so how do you start to kind of reconcile that, you know, whether we are working with people or even just for yourself, having come from both backgrounds of kind of, okay, I understand like I was in, you know, obesity prevention and now I've done the more of the haze side of things. Like, how do you kind of contemplate these things or how do you even explain it to people when people are like, is haze a real thing? Um, you know, yeah, I'm curious to know, because people ask me this all the time, and I'd love to know your opinion on it. Yeah, so the way that I've um, kind of reflected on it for myself is this idea of like self-determination theory. It's again, kind of an interesting theory name, but essentially it's a very well studied theory of motivation, which tells us that like autonomous motivation is kind of the holy grail of motivation. And what we know about autonomy is we want to give people freedom of choice without excessive pressure. And so the way I've always approached it is we want to give people informed information about 
the different choices that they can take and then really try to take away any judgment for either choice. And so that would apply to, you know, certainly the idea of like so many people come into the experience of trying to lose weight or dieting from a very uninformed choice, mostly because so many people believe that like, if they do it wrong, it's their fault versus the fact that like, no, the data really doesn't support that for the vast majority of people, this leads to any positive outcomes. And so it's not, I always like to say like, I'm, you know, there's always that exception though, like maybe for some people that that can be helpful, but it's a very small percentage. And so it's, to me, it's like sort of informed choice. And I think that is true for, and I, I wish we would do that more for like any medical intervention of like, here's what we know, here's what we don't know. Cause you know, many times there's gaps in research and um, the problem with really weight related science is that we can't really randomly assign this group to be this weight and this group to be this weight and keep all other factors the same for 10 years. So there is a lot of speculation, but I think we can do a better job of sharing what we do know and empowering people to make the choice that feels best for them. And I hope we can move towards that. So it always, for me, comes back to autonomy. Are we giving people actually free choice without pressuring them one way or the other? Um, and that's kind of how I approach it, if it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, knowledge is power. Like education is the key here. And I think that with diet culture and really anything in that realm, there's just so much misinformation. And then again, like you're saying, we put it on ourselves that we've messed up, we've done wrong. When we look at like the science or the validity behind these diets or anything, it's like, there, there's really none. It's just some random thing or, you know, some, some diets I remember like following them from like Pinterest and they'd be like these most random extreme things. And I'm like, Oh, but this doctor somewhere, somewhere said something about this. And I'd fall down this wormhole and be like, Oh, I should be on this diet and then beat myself up. And, you know, I think the more that we can know about our bodies, the more that we can understand what is actually going on inside of us, the better off we are and doing our own research and looking at both sides of that research, because it's so easy to just, you know, get a completely disordered sample size of looking at why, you know, for example, intermittent fasting is the best thing and only researching that thing and just confirming our own, you know, like creating confirmation bias instead of looking at like, oh yeah, how does that harm our body? Or how is that really different, like harm, um, you know, detrimental to women, especially if they're menstruating and blah, 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 like all those kind of things. Right. And mm-hmm. I realized I didn't tap into this, but like, what is haze? Could you explain what haze is for someone who maybe doesn't know that term? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, Hayes stands for health at every size. And it's really, I believe at its core, a social justice movement that's promoting dignity and respect for all bodies. Um, And I think the social justice component is hugely important. And and really, um, social justice and, and, you know, supporting like connection and acceptance of all people is an evidence-based approach. So I think sometimes what I know you like talking about the science too, it almost feels like it's just like love and accept your body, but it's so much more than that because actually, and that's sort of like coming back to this theory that I'm obsessed with talking about. It's this idea of like, we all need a sense of relatedness to promote long-term behavior change and relatedness and connection with others, feeling like you belong. And it's like, well, okay, then that's actually the most evidence-based way to move people towards whatever behavior change they want to do, whether that's like health-promoting behaviors or just like self-care or sleep or whatever. That's that's the best way to move people towards feelings of like free choice of whatever they choose to do. And so it's, to me, I think, 
yeah, very much a social justice movement that's rooted in really the best way to promote health for all people. And um, like I said, I think that sometimes gets lost maybe in the medical communities too, like uh, that fear, like that's not healthy. And this fear that I think this is more common, at least for my limited exposure in the US, you've traveled a lot, maybe you can speak more to this, but I think I see so much fear-based, like not supporting autonomy in the US more so than at least like when I was, uh, my ex example is like being pregnant and noticing like the the recommendations for the US were a lot more stringent than other countries, let's say on like drinking alcohol or something. And again, that's another one. We can't know for sure that alcohol does or what it does or doesn't do because we usually don't randomly assign that um, in pregnant people. And so it's just, we have the data that we have and we have to make the best, each individual can make the best choice, but the US is like no alcohol ever. That's what most medical providers will tell you versus like, here's what the data, here's what we know. You, we trust you to make that choice, right? I, I think that we're just very bad at that, <laughs> of trusting the individual to make the choice that's best for them and promoting autonomy in that way. Yeah, totally. And like, there's such a, you, you, we lose so much power when we hand it over to someone else and be like, we assume they know what they're doing, you know, the doctor, the nurse or whoever, the healthcare provider. And when we do that, like, they don't always know what's best for us. They don't always know what's going on with us, right? There's right. often not enough time spent with that person. And so being able to do the research and ask the appropriate questions and get second opinions and totally like, it sounded like what you're saying, what kind of came up for me was how a lot of the time when we were told to do something, it's coming from such a space of fear and shame, right? That is putting our body into a feeling of unsafety, which is putting us into that like sympathetic fight or flight mode, right? And when we're in that space where our nervous system feels like we're basically being attacked, we feel like we're in the out group. We're not feeling connected. We're not feeling loved. We're not feeling heard, feeling, not feeling seen. We feel like there's something wrong with us, right? Our brain kicks into overdrive. Um, mm -hmm. And the last thing that we likely want to do is go out into big changes or create changes in our life because new things for our brain is scary. It's unsafe. Yeah. And so we go to the doctor, they make comments about, you know, weight or diet or lifestyle changes. And they often comes at it from a very kind of negative, disempowering, like, oh, you should probably lose some weight kind of condescending way. We're not going to go home and like, likely go and make, add in some more fruits and veggies. It's like, I'm going to feel bad about myself. Maybe I don't go back to that doctor, right? Because of the shame that they felt. Maybe now I'm missing diagnosis for, or like early prevention, um, Versus having that come from a very inclusive, like saying, haze, you know, health at every size and making people feel seen and heard and understood and valued. Um, and from that space of like, I feel safe, I feel connected. That's when you can foster positive change. That's kind of what I'm hearing from you. Does that sound kind of like, absolutely. yes, yes, absolutely. It's, um, and, and yeah, you see that all the time where it's just that, that fear-based and, and really just like, I think, you know, the diet cycle just makes people completely lose faith in themselves. Another thing that's really important is the idea of competence and like that facilitates long-term change. And so much of our system, just our general medical system, like facilitates lack of competence in most areas because we're so symptom focused, so treatment focused versus what's the root cause here, right? And so, so many things that we move away from actually things that would promote like improved health. Hmm. So 
connection, we kind of talked about that a little bit. Um, what other, other things can we do to help kind of motivate ourselves and really help our motivate ourselves to change in a more empowering, positive um, way that feels good instead of like that, like icky, shameful turning inward kind of way, which I know for myself was how I did my entire life. Cause I didn't even realize there was another option. Um, yeah. and I think a lot of us think that you have to, you know, come at it from this really negative standpoint standpoint and point at all our flaws and look at all the things that we're not in order to, you know, move forward. But I'm assuming I'm thinking this is not maybe the best way to do it. So I'd love for you to talk more about that. Yes, maybe not. And I think for most people, like, I think a lot of people that I work with are like, I'm being critical again, or like, I'm, I'm had a should thought again, or I had a diet mentality thought again. And it's like, it's not, of course, we want to move away from that for sure. But like, you're going to have those kind of thoughts, but it's just noticing that. So I would say like, in terms of like, approaches and strategies, sort of this idea of mindfulness or present moment awareness, and self-compassion would be great strategies to practice, you know, noticing our thoughts, noticing what are thoughts, what's, you know, mental events that our brain is having um, and not necessarily, you know, thinking of those as true or false. And then what are naming the emotion and the emotional experience we're having. Um, but the other thing that I think is really important is really reflecting on our values, what's important to us. Because if we think about what we're shifting away from external motivation to more internal. That's sort of the goal. That's autonomous motivation is internal motivation, essentially. It's reflecting on what you want. And so the idea of values clarification or just like what matters to you um, is really an, an important part about how we motivate ourselves. So kind of looking at, okay, you know, society tells us like, I want to lose weight or I want to shrink my body, but really like, what is that about for you? And, and what is underneath that? Or what are you really hoping that you'll get if that were to occur? Because certainly we're sold all those messages, right? If you lose weight, you'll be happy, healthy and have a partner and life will be amazing. And obviously that's not the reality. That's just them trying to make money, but reflecting on for that particular person, is it feeling more energized? Is it feeling more confident? Is it feeling more mobile, more able to do the things I know for many people that I work with, it's like they name things like I want to be able to go on a vacation and do what I want to do and feel free in my body to, to do that. And so we kind of have to unpack like, you know, what of that relates to body size and often much, much less, if not at all, than, than they think, but Kind of reflecting on and that and so some questions that I like people to ask and I do have like my little free resource if people want to walk through some of these steps of like unhooking from the weight related diet trap and then reflecting on what do you really want and what is it actually about and um and sometimes from there you know we think about like we don't want to do shame fear-based motivation long term but sometimes reflecting on what are you afraid if you let's say like, don't prioritize your health in, in some way. And then not that, you know, health at every size talks about, it's not an immoral imperative by any means, but a lot of people are like, I want to feel better in my body. Um, so if that's the case for you saying like, what, um, what would happen if you didn't, if you didn't make more space for self-care or whatever that looks like, and what is that fear, you know, is that fear that I won't be able to, you know, see my kids grow up or something like that, that fear can be motivating. And actually, if we take the shame out of it and we have compassion for that fear, it can just point to, oh, I have that fear because I really care a whole heck of a lot about being there for my kids. And so maybe that means I need to make sure I'm not sitting all day, right? Or maybe it means I need to make sure I'm moving my body in a way that I love. And so 
from from the values clarification, we kind of can tie it to specific outcomes, but again, in a very non-diet type way. Um, just what are some of the um, behaviors that would actually help? Maybe it's you know I really care about being more present with my family in general because I'm very distracted by all the calorie counting right now, and so that might be I'm going to you know send a text and set up a, a a Zoom meeting with my family at least once a week or something like that. So we can tie it to specific behaviors, but really spending that time to reflect on what matters to you. And actually the more emotion you can bring up in that without judging yourself, that can be very motivating. Mm, yeah. And that'll be linked below for you guys to go and check it out. Um, but yeah, it's so important to reflect on it because I mean, whether it be with like a relationship with our body or a career relationships, it can be so easy to get caught up and pull different ways based off of what we are kind of shown, whether it be through social media or whatever, thinking that this is the thing we want and never asking ourselves like, why do I want this thing? You know, like, why do I want to lose weight? Well, I know for myself, it represented to me feeling loved and connected and valued and seen and good enough. And then there I was, you know, at my smallest weight when I was struggling with anorexia. And I was like, well, shit, I don't have any of these things that I was told I was going to have. Now what? Like, what what do I do now? Is so identity shattering because you live your whole life believing this certain thing that you're going to achieve some kind of external goal and it'll make you feel some way internally. And that's just not the case. Right. And so it's like mm-hmm. digging into why am I wanting this? What is the reasoning behind this? What do I think I'm going, how do I think I'm going to feel when I get there and I achieve that thing? Because oftentimes you can just take whatever that feeling is that we think will feel when we achieve the thing and just create that in our life right now, instead of needing to achieve that thing later on, you know, like I can look for connection, meaningful connection now in my life without having to spend seven hours a day at a gym and only eating boiled broccoli. Right. (laughs) Which ironic irony of that is it deprives me of the opportunity of connection because all I'm doing is thinking about food all day long and I'm choosing to go to the gym instead of going out for a meal with friends. So until we kind of sit down and get like super clear, okay, like, why do I want this thing? Is this actually what I want? What is, you know, really sitting and doing those questions? Because what else I would say, it's like, we can spend our whole life climbing, you know, climbing the ladder and realize that we've gotten to the top of the wrong building. Right. And we get there and we're just like, oh shit, (laughs) wrong building. I was climbing, 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 head was down, spending so much time and energy. Um, and so instead of spending all the time and energy climbing up the wrong ladders to head to all the wrong buildings, it's like, okay, at the bottom, like sit down, do this, you know, do the writing and check out like what is actually going on here? What's behind this so that you actually get to create a life that feels good and authentic to you instead of chasing grass is greener and diet culture selling you, you know, that you have this problem and selling you the solution and all that bullshit that we all get caught up in and I spent most of my life in, but is not a way that, you know, helps us lead a life that feels very, you know, purposeful and empowering. Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, I can very much relate to that. Just like you, you think it's hindsight's 2020, right. But you look back on those years of your life and you're just like, I actually looked back on some journals because I was having kind of a hard time remembering. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but you forget how much like you miss out on. And I had like this quote that said, I'm terrified. I'm wasting my life. It's like, even in that moment, I knew to some extent, um, but I was just not sure like how to break out of it. And it's just such a painful place to be in. And so to say like, yeah, there was so many vacations and so many experiences that I just was like, 
there, but like not fully there, sort of just like worrying way too much about things that do not matter to me now, but it just, it takes, it takes time and work, but it's so, so worth it. And it allows you to kind of open up to what does matter. Totally. And I'm curious, what for you helped you break out of that? Was there any kind of key things or something you learned or someone you talked to or some resource or really anything that kind of really sparked that for you or really helped facilitate that kind of switch out of that mindset and into where you're at now? Yeah, it's such a good question. I think of my journey as like in many ways, kind of gradual. Like I say, I look at those 13 years and like, I'm kind of a graph person. So if I'm like graphing my progress, it's like kind of overall going up. Although there were certainly times when I was like, Ooh, I really slipped back. Um, but the final difference that made the difference was reading intuitive eating and like really getting into that book. I lived in Chicago at the time and I was like listening to the book on audio and it, it kind of just like was the final shift I immediately because I felt like I had moved away from like too much rigidity, but then yet yeah, I was still at that time, like I was, I used to run a lot and I was doing, and, and my relationship with exercise was always actually pretty healthy. And I was doing my first marathon in Chicago and I was like, I'm going to sign up for Weight Watchers. And I'm like, what? Like, I finally like a few, it took me a few weeks. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, what are you even doing? And like, it was the final shift that I think I just was like, this makes no sense. Like, why are you doing this? You're not feeling well running. Like it just was um, a mess. And uh, like I said, it wasn't, it, it was a lot of progress up until that point, but it was like that book and sort of that experience for me that finally switched. And then I never looked back. Like, I'm like, no, I'm fully done. And I did not, I stopped Weight Watchers right away. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Training for a marathon and doing Weight Watchers. I'm like, oh, that sounds just so terrible. Like, what was I even, it was so ridiculous. And it's like funny because I had been learning and I think I had read intuitive eating a little before then, or like listened to it. So it's like, planted the seed and it felt like the final switch. But when I looked back, I'm pretty sure I took that final thing. And then it was just enough for me to be like, you are really, you're done. <laughs> well, I'm so happy that you are. And then you're able now to help really kind of facilitate growth and change for other people. And backtracking slightly back to motivation and kind of self-determination theory, because I find this really, really fascinating. Um, if we're, so we've done the deep dive, we're looking at kind of, okay, what is the values here? What is the feeling I want to create all those kind of different steps? How do we now stay consistent? So we have the kind of deeper level kind of understanding of what's going on, but like, how do we now with that knowledge, make those changes sustainable? So it's like, I want to be there so I can be with my, my kids or my grandkids or whatever. So maybe I'm getting, I need to get up and I want to be doing some more walking to be more mobile. How do I keep that consistent? How do I keep that sustainable so that it's not just like a one time I go for a walk and then take a six month break because I wasn't able to do it consistently, you know, whatever that looks like, and then become more upset and more filled with shame and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think, I mean, first of all, and I, I'm sure you already are alluding to this, like we, it's really important that we realize that like most of the time, positive changes do not happen overnight and really valuing building slowly, sort of building the blocks very slowly and intentionally, and just feeling really good about like what you do do versus focusing on what you don't and, and building that flexibility. So really challenging that all or nothing approach. But that being said, 
going back to my little free resource at the end of that, we kind of walk through these three steps and then you create like one sentence that's kind of helping you to dig deeper to your specific why. And in, in that guide, we have like, I encourage people to write it out on a sticky note or have it somewhere where they're seeing it often. And you can also do it more than once. Like it shifts a little bit what's really important. And, and, and so I think reflecting on it often, but having it somewhere very visible. And when we start to get that habituation where we're like not paying attention to it again, it's probably time to step back and pull back and say like, okay, can I even dig deeper? So this idea of like values clarification and kind of digging deep to our internal motivation is not a one and done thing. It's something that um, we teach in acceptance and commitment therapy as a therapist, as in lots of therapies talk about it, but um, I've done it like every six months for a long time. And there's a deeper dive, but this, this guide will kind of get you started. Um, but yeah, have it really visible. And, um, and if you're feeling out of alignment, you're like, Oh, I, I'm really kind of like every person's a little bit differently, different, what helps them to like stay accountable to what's important. Some of us, I think have a harder time prioritizing ourselves consistently. So you can also have like, from a really tangible standpoint, like I tend to put like things on my calendar, like in a month and, and be like, and have it pop up and be like, how's it going? Like, are you living consistent? Like with your values or not? And if not, what, what do you want to do? Do you want to jump back into doing some journaling or something like that? So you can do some tangible things to just make sure it doesn't fall off your radar. Mm, I love that. I always have clients do like silent phone alarms to kind of check in throughout the day, but I also love doing that, like on more of like a longer term basis in terms of scheduling into the calendar, little reminder, are you living with your values? Cause like, it's so easy, like I was saying before to just stray so far from where you actually want to go just because other people are going that way, or you're being sold this idea, you should go that way. That's like, actually the path you want to go is a completely different direction. Um, and sometimes we need to pull ourselves back to that. But if you don't check in with it, we can just end up so far away um, and not even realize it. So I love exactly. that. I love like actionable, tangible tools like that. So I'm definitely going to do that and start having a little monthly or bi-monthly check-in or bi-weekly, sorry, check-in with myself to see kind of what I'm doing, business, life, relationships, all that kind of stuff. So good. Yeah. Yeah. I've totally done that this year um, with starting like a brand new business. I, I thought like, oh, I'm going to work for myself. I'm going to really be like really active and I'm going to like feel great and I'm going to cook and all these things. And it's like, yeah, that has not happened. <laughs> it's been, I've had to have a lot of flexibility with myself, but also continuing to be like, you value prioritizing, taking care of yourself and, and just continuing like the whole year has been me working on like working smarter, not harder in the business so that I can like have time to do. So it's definitely a continuous improvement uh, situation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's always room for growth, like with everything, yes, like there's exactly. no such thing as perfection. I know like the journey of being an entrepreneur is just ups and downs and constantly evolving, constantly changing so much self-compassion, so much room for under like not setting expectations and letting them go and moving you know it's yeah if you want to learn about yourself and all your problems and issues and everything become an entrepreneur because everything will come right to the surface right away any insecurities yes. any thoughts you have about yourself your habits your everything it's been I know for myself for the past few years it's like been the biggest personal growth journey becoming an entrepreneur um because yeah there's nowhere to hide and it's just you and your business <laughs> exactly i know someone definitely told me that and i believed them but the whole nother thing to experience it <laughs> oh yeah totally um and so before i ask my last question where can people find you 
They can find me on my website, drshawnhondorp.com, and that's H-O-N-D-O-R-P. Um, and I'm also on Instagram a little bit. I'm working on being on social media more, but on Instagram, I'm psychology.of.wellness. And I didn't say, I know we'll link to it, but the free resource I mentioned can be found at drhondorp, D-R-H-O-N-D-O-R-P.com forward slash motivate. And that'll be below as well in the show notes. So if you guys didn't catch any of that, you can just go click there. So my last question, I asked all my guests because the point of my podcast is called Wing and Unhappy. Point is that our weight doesn't make us happy. I'd love to know for you, what makes you happy? Subjective question. There's no wrong answer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I mean, I think a lot of things, um, but if I had to pick one, I would definitely say my kiddos, they um, are my daughter's four and my son is almost two. And my son, especially right now is just at the cutest age. He's at the most tiring age ever, but he is just hilarious and um, constantly making me laugh and saying hilarious things and pointing at everything. Have it, have it. And he just, I want to eat him, <laughs> pinch his cheeks. <laughs> it's, it's a bad urge, but it's, he's just so cute. So, cute. so yeah. he makes me very happy. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on today. I so appreciate Thank your you. time. And it was so interesting to learn about self-determination, self-determination theory, um, you know, and looking at our goals and our values and everything from a no- more autonomous kind of space instead of looking outward. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been super fun. Hey, you guys, thank you so much for listening to this amazing episode with Dr. Sean. If you enjoyed it as much as I did, I please invite you to rate and review on Apple. It only takes two seconds. If you scroll to the bottom on the app there, you can leave a few stars, write a little review, and it would mean the absolute world to me. So thank you so much for your support if you decide to do that. Additionally, if you're interested to sign up for my Craving Food Freedom online course, you can do so at my website at www.victoriaevansofficial.com forward slash craving dash food dash freedom dash course. It's also below for you there in the show notes. You can also find me over on Instagram. That is at Victoria Evans official. So I'd love for you to send me a DM. Let me know your thoughts on this episode, any takeaways you might have. And I also invite you to sign up for my Friday Food for Thought newsletter. So that is a bi-weekly newsletter, and I give you different food and body freedom tips, different song playlists, music I'm listening to, recipes, journal prompts, really all the best fun things. So I invite you to sign up for that. It's totally free, and that is all below for you there in the show notes. Again, thank you so much for listening, for your support, and until next week, I hope you have a fabulous day. Bye-bye.